Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, five doses or six. How much can we squeeze out of a COVID-19 vaccination vial? Is it like trying to get the last bit of toothpaste out of the tube? New restrictions are here in regard to travel. It's best just to stay home. And the World Health Organization is in China to try to find the origins of COVID-19. Will they get any help? It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. I'm Chris Thompson, Scott's son. The weekend is here and the new COVID-19 cases are trending down. I'm going to celebrate with a Zoom call to my friends so we can watch each other do absolutely nothing. It's the Scott Thompson Home Show. Here's Scott Thompson. There you have it. Hey, close the door, son. Uh, it is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Willers, come back at the station, keeping the Scott Thompson Home Show on the air as we wind up week number 46 of the Scott Thompson Home Show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, jump into the fray there. We would love to chat with you and uh, hear what your thoughts are. Uh, you know, uh, how, uh, anyway, we'll leave it at that. Uh, vaccine, uh, five doses or six. That's the commentary today. Feel free to weigh in on that. Send us a note, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. The phone lines are always open because it is an all-request Friday, if you want to hear 30 seconds of your favorite. Uh, yeah, vacations, man. Uh, nope, ain't going to happen uh, this spring break. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has announced that all Canadian travelers, this is returning from overseas, we're still trying to figure out if this means uh, coming back from the Caribbean or coming back from the United States or just from overseas. We are trying to get that clarity for you right now. Um, anyway, the PM has announced and is in the process of doing this now that uh, that uh, anyone returning from overseas will have to take a COVID-19 test at the airport when they land. And then you have to go into a designated hotel for three days at your own expense. And that's expected to cost uh, more than $2,000. Uh, and then you wait there for your test result. Those with negative tests will be able to then go home and quarantine for the remainder of their two weeks at home, while those with a positive test are required to quarantine in designated government facilities. Uh, also, Canada's main airlines also suspended service to all Caribbean destinations in Mexico starting on Sunday, and that will last right through till April 30th. Uh, the Prime Minister says it's important uh, to further restrict international travel as more infection, uh, infectious variants from COVID-19 uh, spread around the globe. You know, and again, everybody keeps saying, uh, oh, only 2% of the stuff uh, comes from uh, air travel. It's all community spread. Uh, however, all of the variants have come in via air travel. So 2% and we have what we have with the variants. So uh, I'm not sure how accurate that number is when we're really not, uh, haven't been doing as accurate testing as what we need to be have, have done uh, over the course of all of that. Uh, let's uh, move on with the rest of the show. Obviously, we're going to try to break this down and get you more information and how detailed this is as the, uh, as the afternoon progresses. Lots to talk about today. At the very end, of course, uh, a message of hope with the Reverend Jim Carrier as well always do every Friday. We're also going to introduce you uh, to another artist in the Hamilton area. They're all struggling during this COVID-19 pandemic. 
Also talk about uh, what is happening in the United States and give you an update there. Also, uh, the World Health Organization uh, now out of quarantine in Wuhan and have begin uh, trying to investigate how this all started and how it all spread and how we can stop this from ever happening again. Uh, we'll touch on that coming up a little later on. Also, Jack uh, Johnson & Johnson's uh, vaccine as well. Some more information uh, on that. So um, lots to talk about today. Uh, let's get going with a new modeling that came out yesterday and uh, the modeling uh, states that uh, the good news is as we continue to see COVID-19 cases trending down in Ontario 1,837 new cases today Uh, yesterday we bumped back over 2,000 again but uh, now back below 2,000 so that's a positive trend however the modeling did suggest that these variants are very much a uh, concern. Let's bring in Chris Bow, research chair in the uh, Department of Applied Mathematics and a specialist in mathematical and computer modeling of infectious uh, infectious disease outbreaks at the University of Waterloo and is with us now. Chris, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, so far so good. Uh, the modeling that came out yesterday, obviously, we're, uh, it's, it's almost, it almost sounds like it's some good news, it's some not so good news. Uh, obviously, great uh, uh, evidence in the sense that it looks like the holiday uh, surge is, has, has tapered off and is trending downwards. But obviously, these new variants, uh, they're saying that by March, this could be uh, the predominant issue. Your thoughts on the modeling that came out, Chris? Yeah, well, I, I agree with that overall picture. Uh, I think the one reason we're seeing such a, a, a big decline now is, is the new restrictions that we entered into on Boxing Day. Uh, and so that seems to be very instrumental in, in, in this, uh, you know, this beautiful downward curve that we're seeing in cases. It's, it's such a relief to see that. But now we do have this variant to deal with. Uh, well, there's several variants, of course, but but one of the most concerning one is, is a so-called B117 variant, and that is 50% more transmissible than uh, the one that's circulating uh, predominantly right now in Ontario. Uh, and so, yes, the concern is that uh, if this variant continues to spread, uh, then the cases could, that decline could slow down or possibly even reverse and cause another uh, bump in the epidemic curve uh, sometime in March or, or perhaps later in February even. So these variants, uh, as this modeling suggested, said that these variants could be uh, the majority of new cases as we move forward. How does that make you feel? Um, well, it's uh, it's definitely concerning, uh, you know, especially because our, our we're still vaccinating people very slowly. You know, Ontario is behind Canada, and in Canada, the country is, is only 15th in, in terms of how many people we've immunized Um so, um, so, so that worries me because we're basically in a race between the variant and and, and the vaccine, uh, and we want to vaccinate as many people as we can before the variant spreads more widely. Since you know what we've seen in other countries, in, in Europe, for example, where the variant has has done exactly this, it's become dominant. Um, it causes a very sharp spike in cases, uh, and so we, you know. We're already at a, at a point where our ICU, our ICs are overstrained and, and we're beyond capacity. So, so we want to, you know, get cases down as, as quickly as we can 
so that you know, if the variant does start to spread more widely, you know, we're, we're, carding, we're kind of starting from a more desirable baseline than at present. So um, how concerned we saw, and, and this was very much predicted, the, the holiday surge. We certainly uh, remember talking about that prior to the holidays, that if people don't be careful and don't follow protocol, that we will in fact see the surge, and we did. Uh, as you mentioned, that's tapering off now. How concerned are you, or were you, uh, that you know once spring break came around, we'd start to see this jump again? Yeah, it's and it's you know it's like clockwork almost. Anytime there's um, a big event where people want to travel, there's a surge, uh, and of course with uh, March break coming around mid-March, uh, that's a particularly worrying time point because that could seed the variant throughout the province more widely as uh, uh, you know as as people move around, and potentially also you know the universities have breaks in February. They have their reading weeks, and and this could also be um, an opportunity for the virus and, and the, that new variant to, to get spread around the province a bit more. So, so, so you know, both the, the reading week breaks at universities and the March break in, in, in March, which is an even you know a, a bigger change, um, could create opportunities. And that's a dangerous combination um, with with a variant that's 50 percent more transmissible, uh, and in which our current restrictions may not be able to uh, therefore control. Uh, as it can with the current variant, the current strain that's circulating in Ontario. Uh, obviously, part of this announcement, and we're still trying to figure out, and, and is it the, the announcement the Prime Minister made this morning that uh, any international flights coming in, and, and we're not sure if this means from the United States or from Sun destinations, or if this just means overseas as in Europe, but those people will have to come in and quarantine in a hotel for three days while they wait the results of a test. Obviously, the expense to uh, the traveler, if they test positive, uh, they move on to a government facility if they test negative negative, they can continue the rest of their quarantine 14 days uh, at home. Your thoughts on these measures and, and how much of an impact they will have? Yeah, so travel restrictions, you know, there's two ways you can apply a travel restriction like this. Uh, the, the best way to do it is to apply it before you start getting cases. And this is what we should have done, uh, you know, back in January, February. Uh, we should have shut down the borders then and then we wouldn't have had covid at all in Canada. Now, as far as the variant goes, you know, for the B117 variant, it's probably too late to, to contain it, to stop it completely, because we already have some of that. You know, you probably heard about the outbreaks in Barry, for example. Um, but even if you're too late to, to prevent it from coming in altogether, these travel restrictions can slow the process. And the reason is that, you know, when you're getting cases coming in, it's a bit like using sparks to start a fire. You know, you you hit the flint against the rock; it makes a star, uh, spark. You keep doing it. You keep doing it, and eventually it'll it'll um, uh, become a big fire. Um, and, and these kind of incoming travelers, even though we've got some cases already in Ontario, it's like adding more sparks to the fire. Uh, and therefore, um, even despite the fact that we have this variant transmitting locally, um, um, pouring fuel on top of that with with more case imports of the variant could make it worse. Uh, so I, I think it's a, a good idea, uh, and um, the timing is right because, like I said, we haven't vaccinated our most vulnerable yet, and we really have to make that a priority and, and get that done uh, uh, um, before we can relax these types of restrictions. 
So obviously, in addition to those restrictions, uh, airlines flying out of Canada, no more sun destinations until uh, April 30th. That pretty much does um, keep people from, from traveling, does it not? That's right, yeah. So a lot of people will, um, you, know, you know, unfortunately, we won't be able to uh, go south and enjoy the sun. Um, uh, you know, what we've done, you know, what my family done is, is we've taken up cross-country skiing. So uh, so have we, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sale, you know, for example, sale or, or Amazon, you can get stuff online. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, so you know, yeah, I guess when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. So, um, you know, it's a good year to take a cross-country skiing for sure. And we've got lots of snow this year. So that's, that's uh, up in Guelph for at least so. Um, so not too far out of the GTA, you can, you can, you know, find some nice trails to ski on, snowshoe, that type of thing. We're uh, still trying to clarify these restrictions. I'm not sure you can shed on any uh, shed any light on this, or or maybe clarify if it matters or not. Um, again, the restrictions: you, if you're coming into Canada, uh, you have to quarantine. Uh, sorry, go get a test and quarantine in a hotel at the cost to you for three days until a result comes in, and then go from there. Um, I'm wondering if this just affects overseas flights or if this is all international flights, which would include, you know, flights from the sun destinations, uh, the islands or even uh, the United States. And would it make a difference if it is just overseas, just Europe? Mm, you know, As opposed to the continental know. North America. Oh, sorry. Um, As opposed yeah, to continental yeah. North America. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know off offhand. Um, uh, the answer to that question, um, in terms of uh, the, the control, it, it will make a difference whether you're you're just uh, um, requiring that for flights from Europe versus the continental U.S. Um, uh, um, because you know if you just restrict Europe, well, you know this variant is also in the U.S. and they have lots of cases, so uh, people coming from the continental. U.S. will 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 bring this variant in as well. It's it's not going to stay contained in Europe. So, you know, you know, I I would say you should, if you're going to do Europe, you also have to do the continental U.S. Otherwise, it's just like a a leak in your in your in your, in your barrel. You know, um, if you've got one gap in your guard, right. you know, the the variant will get in. Yeah, more variants, more strains of that variant will get in. Uh, what do you think this is, and, and, you know, many have been talking about travel restrictions for a long time. The, the issue was, well, only a 2% of the cases come from air travel, which seems very bizarre because we now know all the variants come, in fact, from, uh, air travel. Uh, what do you, what's your thoughts on, on to the extent that these restrictions have gone? What does that say about the spread of this variant? Well, I, I think we, we often forget that. This virus multiplies and it grows dramatically. So, um, you know, yeah, sure, only two percent of cases might come from air travel, but then they will spread locally. And you know, as we discussed before, uh, if you're putting more sparks in the fire, the fire will start sooner. Um, so, uh, you know, I feel that like without appreciating the fact that the virus grows exponentially, we can we can be seduced into you know not accepting restrictions when we should and this is a, a great example i mean it's it's you know really unfortunate to have to you know pay for this hotel at your own expense uh but you know downstream 
the people who become infected and may not be able to get an ICU bed, uh, if the variant surges suddenly, well, they're, you know, that's not good for them either, right? And this is a much bigger risk because of that multiplication of, of, of the cases. So, um, so uh, you know, I, I think we all have to think ahead and think, well, you know, uh, if the virus continues to multiply, where are we going to be at? So what can we do to stop that from happening in the first place? Uh, and if we think in those terms, you know, we will minimize the, the, disruption, the disruptions for, for most people most of the time. Uh, and, you know, that's how we should have been thinking out throughout this pandemic. Sometimes we've done it. For the most part, we've done it. Sometimes we haven't done it so well. Uh, and we, we should do it more often, I think. Chris Bow has been with us, research chair in the Department of Applied Mathematics, specializing in infectious disease outbreaks at the University of Waterloo. Chris, thank you for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. You too, Scott. Thanks. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Here's today's daily commentary. News broke Thursday that Canada was facing yet another shortage of Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine, despite Prime Minister Justin Trudeau saying Canada would receive 4 million doses by March. However, word went to provinces yesterday Canada would only be receiving 3.5 million doses by March, not 4 million, because now Pfizer wants Canada to extract another dose out of the five-dose vial. So a vial initially prescribed for five doses or people is now expected to vaccinate six people or doses. However, in order to retrieve that sixth dose at the bottom of the barrel, a special syringe is needed. And guess what? There's a shortage of those, just like there was PPE, because we don't have enough of those either. Anyway, you slice this contract, we are getting less vaccine than Pfizer promised by March and clearly less than the Prime Minister was aware of within the fine lines of this contract on what is a dose and what is not. Begging the question, is this another example of the Prime Minister's lack of due diligence putting us behind where Canada should be? Well, he worked on a deal for a vaccine with China. I'm Scott Thompson. Let's bring in Richard Brennan, former Queen's Park journalist for the Toronto Star and is with us now. Richard, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Hey, Scott, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, your thoughts on where we are with these new travel restrictions, and, and can you shed any light on whether you think this is overseas or with whether this includes the United States and, and the Caribbean as well? Well, at this point, I, I just wonder, Scott, how they're going to be able to do this, uh, you know, make people go to a hotel at their own expense. I guess they can, but boy, I, I tell you, I, I think there's got some problems there. But nevertheless, you know, it's 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 a, probably a good idea that, that they do. I think that in the next little while, we're going to see the screws really tight. You know, we've got examples here, you know, going to the uh, southern destinations, and now they're telling people that, you know, they, they might have to... Uh, you know, quarantine in a government uh, location. And I, I think this is just the beginning with because we have, you know, the variant seems to be causing increasing number of problems. And and, I, you know, the details, sorry, go ahead. The devils are in the details. You know, I, I just think that uh, we don't know at this point, and I don't think they do either, quite frankly. This is, uh, this is the back of the envelope, I think, at this point. And, and you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, uh, as for the airport and and doing and quick uh, 
you know, tests on people. I, I, I don't know why it's taken this so long. I, yeah. You know, Premier Ford has been asking for this for a long time. And now they're just coming to it now. And, and, and because the federal government didn't step in, Scott, for the life of me, I, I don't know why the federal government wouldn't have done this before. It, it just boggles the mind, quite frankly. Well, it was interesting, Richard, because, you know, they always said that, um, you know, the, the way this disease spreads the most is through community contact. It's, you know, gatherings and that sort of thing. And only 2% of, of the people or the cases rather uh, coming in were, were due to air travel. But really, we haven't had any real restrictions or, or, or certainly monitoring uh, contact tracing of all of these. I, I don't think to the extent that you could really verify all of that. And again, Again, now we're finding out that, in fact, all of the variants came in in somehow that 2% of travel. That's where the variants uh, come from. Yeah, this, I mean, this is a, a new wrinkle uh, to the, uh, the, the uh, pandemic because we, we know that this, you know, this is, you know, a, a tougher strain and it, it, people can get it more easily. And it is coming, from, and for the most part, we know from uh, offshore and I'm not saying it started in anyone. I know people will call it the British uh, variant, but I don't. I don't think right. that's quite fair. But anyway, it it should have you know hey, this should have been done not now. This should have been done months ago, where they were yeah. testing people as they came in, and now they have that quick test, which of course makes it easier to tell people whether whether in fact they they have the uh, uh, you know the COVID nineteen and. We'll see uh, just how it works. Or, or I don't, I, I don't understand that how it's going to. You're talking about doing it the border crossings too. Mm-hmm. Land land crossings. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how they're you know because that's federal jurisdiction. And I mean, what and that it, land in Ontario uh, in, in an airplane. I mean, they're fine. That's one thing. But can you imagine the backup? On the on the yeah. border, and you know, I know there's not much traffic other than truck traffic, but even so, if they test every trucker that comes through, my God, there's going to be a line across the Ambassador Bridge, you know, well into Detroit. So, what are you expecting uh, the premier to say this afternoon at three o'clock? Um, as you mentioned, uh, they're talking about uh, more testing of the various virus, uh, variants and such, and at the land uh, crossings. But as you mentioned, uh, that is federal jurisdiction. What else can the provinces do? What are you expecting from the premier this afternoon? Well, he's going to, you know, he's going to put some more meat on the, the bones of the, what we've already read, and and how exactly this is going to work. And and where that where's it going to be located? I mean, is there going to be some kind of tent set up outside the airport, where you know this provincial jurisdiction where they they have to go through this tent and be tested? Uh, is it going to be this the same? I, that's that's where my mind is at. I just can't understand how this is going to work. And that's what we're going to hear from. He's going to ha- hopefully have details on how exactly this is you know is going to you know. Uh, we're you know working in, in the future and and how it's in you know how how the heck they're going to do it physically i guess either at the airport or at land crossings i i hope they have details because i'm sure that people are waiting for it maybe that's one of the reasons why it, it took so long richard you don't know uh, it's well, hard to say it. at this I point mean, 
Scott, it, there's so many questions, and and people are, you know, are really getting. I see there's a, a poll from Angus Reid, I believe it was, that's saying people yeah. are really getting getting dismayed about the the rollout of the vaccine. They're and they're blaming, you know, any just about anybody that gets in their way, saying that, you know, well, why is why is this slow down? Why is it slow down? We know about the factory problem, but this seems to be in their minds, bungled from the very beginning. And and increasingly people are thinking that, and according to this uh, poll. You know, uh, we talked prior to the holidays with many experts that said, you know, if we don't follow the protocol over holidays, we're going to see a post-holiday surge. That's exactly what we have seen in the first part of of January. And now, uh, thankfully, starting to see uh, those numbers trend down a little bit, uh, which is great news uh, as the holiday surge makes its way through the system. Obviously, with March break or spring break, uh, people would have been traveling and many worried that those numbers would jump back up again. Uh, not so much with the three-day quarantine thing that, that's coming out, um, but even restricting uh, or, or, or canceling, postponing travel uh, to any sun destinations uh, until the end of April. Uh, that hopefully should, in your mind, would you see that hopefully not a surge like we did over the holidays? Scott, I would hope so. I mean, this is they're they're putting these measures in. To just do exactly what you said. They're good. they're hoping that this will tamp it down and and try and get away from you know the the, the spread. That's that's the biggest concern right now with this variant is the spread. And if they can contain it, and they're making obviously the you know the airlines have announced that they're not going to go to these destinations, and if people coming in, it, it it's all should work. Let's hope because yeah. <laughs> If it doesn't, we're we're going to be in a real jackpot. I'm no epidemiologist by any stretch of the imagination, but we've seen you, you know you don't have to be one to see what's happened and what could happen. And I believe that those epidemiologists are really worried with this newest strain that things will just get out of control. We're now getting clarity from uh, the newsroom on the on the actual uh, three day quarantine while you get tested issue. That's uh, that's also part of the restriction of the the flights to the sunny destinations. Uh, Rick Zamprin, our news director, saying, uh, and he's got a quote here: "All international flights, so all international flights, and this is uh, as of uh, Monday morning, Sunday night, all international flights coming in." Everybody will be required to stay in a hotel while their tests are processed, uh, and that would obviously take about three days, uh, a cost of around, they said, at least $2,000 to... Uh, the family or the person that's going in. I don't know how that's going to break down. Uh, and then if they get a negative test, they can continue their quarantine at home. If they get a positive test, they're going to move into some sort of uh, facility, whether that's another hotel or whatever that is, I'm not sure. So all international flights, so that includes the United States and the islands. So anybody that's in any of those destinations, any international destination right now, and is flying back, whether it's Florida, whether it's, uh, you know, Mexico or what have you, they will now have to spend, uh, three nights in a hotel while they wait for, uh, their, their test to come out. Uh, man, that's, as you said, that's going to be a logistical nightmare, is it not? Well, it will. And, and this is aimed at, you know, people who are still thinking, 
number one, well, I think it's still okay to go to Florida, and uh, maybe if I'm lucky enough, I can get my shot when I'm down there. This is aimed at a lot of people that, you know, are making what I call unnecessary uh, trips. And if they read this and say, hold it a second, if I got to come back and I have to, you know, go into a hotel for three days to find out whether I'm positive or negative, and if I'm positive, I have to go to a hotel of their choice for another two weeks, the the cost is going to be exorbitant. And so this is, this is uh, I think, the government's attempt to really slam the door on travel, period. Yeah. And, it, and it will. I mean, are, you know, if you're, you're thinking, you know, let's say you're in England and uh, you want to come back and you've been over there on a job, and you think, well, maybe I should get back home. Are, are you going to do it? Because I'm, this, is, this is going to be a big bill at the end of the day, and I think most of the ordinary people, like you and I and a lot of the listeners, are, just can't afford that. So and you know, an effort, obviously, a kind of backdoor, if you will, to say, you know what, if you're thinking of traveling to Canada, uh, don't bother because it's going to cost you money, more money than you can think. And, and think of those, Richard, that are already there, those that are already vacationing in Florida or vacationing in the islands. Uh, there's going to be a mad dash this weekend for people to get home underneath that uh, that uh, deadline, which is uh, Monday morning, in, in order to go through all this. In order to avoid that, you got to get back this weekend. So those airports are going to be busy this weekend. You would think so. I mean, if I was down there, I would I'd be saying, you know, uh, to my wife, I'd say, you know, let's pack up, let's get going, yeah. because I, I, we don't want to uh, be caught in that mess when it's a... Because you know it, it's going to be a bureaucratic mess to begin with until they iron out you know, some of the rough spots. And I, I would know I would be. And I think a lot of people down there, when they hear about this, are going to be thinking the same thing if they can manage to get a, a flight back. That, that'll be the biggest, pro- biggest problem for them, to just manage to get home. Um, do you think that uh, do you think this sends the message? I mean, there's still 30 percent. You talked about uh, the new Angus Reid uh, poll coming out. Hopefully we're going to get a chance to touch on that a bit later. But, you know, past polls have said that uh, there's about 70 percent of us that are abiding by the rules and there's 30 percent that are just fatigued. They've had it or never were involved uh, in the first place. Do you think this sort of measure sends a message that, sheesh, this is pretty serious? Well, I hope so. Uh, you know, and I'm going to go turn to politics for just a second here as well as the, the, uh, the pandemic. A lot is riding on how this is handled right now for governments, period, be it federal or provincial. If this, is, if this just goes crazy with this variant, and hopefully it won't, but if it does, I think the chances of any government are getting reelected if the public just turns on them and says, you folks have mishandled this from the very beginning, and mm-hmm. you don't deserve to have power. So the, believe me, that's in the minds of, you know, Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford. They're saying, you know, we just can't, we've got to get a handle on this now. We can't let it go. If we do, we're going to pay for it at the polling booth. Uh, Richard, I can't let you go, and, and I know you're a Queen's Park, uh, former Queen's Park journalist, but, you know, again, obviously this is a global uh, type of story. W- what are your thoughts on 
uh, the prime minister uh, trying to do a vaccination deal uh, with the Chinese company. Um, and, and many are saying in the opposition that that was one of the reasons for the delay in, in getting into the lineup and ordering these other vaccines, the large portfolio, which didn't start till August. And, and you know, the prime minister was asked about this this morning and said, you know, we want we shot in every direction and to see what would stick. And that's totally understandable. But, you know, there's a lot that are many, there's many that are surprised that he would even try to do a deal like this with a Chinese company, considering our relationship of late with China and that of the world, uh, China and the world, why even go down that road? Scott, I believe he was just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. And, and that's what they did originally. They were, they were saying to any drug company that was even looking at experimenting at that point, if you come to it with a, a vaccine, we want it. Here's what we need. And I think they were desperate. Now, I why they trusted the Chinese or with the like you say with the relationship we have is beyond me but they did and of course they you know they the chinese uh stiffed them the government did at least not the, the drug company itself but the, the government did and, and refused mm-hmm. to let it uh come over and, and be tested here no that was a, a mistake and uh and i i think again they were they're trying to and i'm not defending the federal government here believe me but I think they were trying to get any kind of vaccine at that point they could, and and knowing full well that some of it was not going to you know not going to come at all, and mm-hmm. in this case it didn't. But again, I I think it was a bit of a, a political bungle to to even look to China for any help, even though we've helped them, is they certainly weren't going to reciprocate. Richard Brennan has been with us, former Queen's Park journalist for the Toronto Star, talking about everything COVID-19 related. Richard, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Be well. Yep. Thanks, Scott. See ya. Anyone traveling internationally, and that is from the United States as well, uh, as of uh, Monday morning, uh, will have to be tested and then uh, tested for COVID-19. And while they are waiting the results of that test, they have to stay in a hotel, which has been selected just for them. And if you test negative on returning, then after the three days, you can go home and finish your quarantine. If you test positive, you'll then move to a government uh, facility or space uh, that is not an internment camp. It's something probably like the uh, airport Marriott. (laughs) Like we live in Canada here, people. Uh, so then, and then they will have to quarantine, uh, for the 14 days until they test negative in order to get back out. Uh, that is what, uh, we don't have internment camps here in Canada. We have hotels. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's talk more about all of this and, and some of the vaccination options as we move forward and challenges and bring in Thomas Tenkate, associate professor with the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University and is with us now. Thomas, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Uh, yes. Thanks, Scott. Thanks very much. So, Thomas, what are your thoughts uh, before we get started here? Uh, I have to ask you on this latest news in regard to these travel restrictions and, and you know, staying in those Canadians coming back have to stay in a hotel until uh, their test results and such. What are your thoughts on, on these measures that are coming in? Yeah, like I'd say that um, it's not unexpected. Uh, you know, a number of countries have had the, these sorts of measures in place for, for quite a long time. And in a lot of ways, it's sort of... Um, I would have expected Canada to follow suit, you know, earlier on. So, so in some ways, uh, like 
I, I think they're they're a, a good good opportunity to try and uh, you know control uh, transmission for people who are coming into the country. Are you concerned? Uh, obviously, with uh, there's travel restrictions going to all of these sunny destinations, that's certainly going to put an end to spring break uh, plans. Um, but are you concerned about how logistically they'll be able to pull this off with Canadians uh, now returning home? Yeah, de- definitely. It's a uh, you know it, it throws people's travel plans into into uh, disarray. But but I suppose you know what I would say is that you know anyone sort of travelling for from a for uh, you know vacation purposes, you know from my perspective that's really non-essential. And and I, I you know I would say you know it's really not something that we would we really want people to be doing at the moment. So so but having said that, you know people who are coming back, you know they. They, you know, they're now going to, uh, you know, be looking at these extra extra restrictions, and, and I think, as you said before, that uh, you know, it's it's at people's own expense, and so so you've got to factor in, you know, quite substantial expense for for the uh, quarantine hotel. But uh, but I think, you know, what we're looking at is that that uh, you know, travel or, or, or cases, people who. Uh, potentially get infected when they're overseas and come back. What we're trying to do is, is uh, you know, by by these measures, is to to be able to keep track of them so that and to to sort of keep them in one place, in essence, quarantined until we know whether or not they're positive or or negative. Because otherwise, if they just come in, the the potential for them to uh, you know more widely infect. A range of people that they come into contact with, even you know, even though they're supposed to be, in, you know, in a you know a self isolation slash quarantine, uh, when they when they you know at, at home, the the, the op, you know the opportunities to sort of head out you know head out into the neighbourhood or whatever is there, and so so I think you know sort of wherever you can put in place uh, additional restrictions to try and uh, stop the spread and transmission, uh, I think is 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 really important at the moment. Thomas, I'd love to get your opinion on this whole debate over dosages. Uh, it's funny, uh, you know, at one time we're having a debate over, you know, should you hold back the second dose? Now that's all out the window because of the supply situation. Um, and, and now, uh, as Health Canada approved all of this, the, the, the idea was to get five doses out of each vial of COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, now there's discrepancy about how many doses we're actually going to get. Uh, Four million uh, by the end of March is what the Prime Minister said. Uh, the provinces are saying it is actually 3.5 million. And for that extra 500,000 or that extra dose, you have to go in and get a sixth dose out of that five-dose vial. Apparently, that can be done, but it takes a special syringe to do that. Uh, your thoughts on this change? Uh, obviously, that's not what Health Canada approved. Uh, your thoughts on you know the five dose versus the six, and and do we have the capability of getting these uh, special syringes that are needed? Because uh, apparently, there's a shortage of those as well in order to get that sixth dose out of the vial. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, like I think that that option. You know, is is there, but but the question is whether or not it's it's doable or not. I think you know my understanding is that you know that based on it's the the actual amount in the vial is the same. It's it's the actual use of the uh, the needle and the and the, the the different types of needles sort of in essence retain more more of the 
of the solution. And so, so if you, you know, the, 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 the types of special types of needles they're talking about sort of, in essence, uh, don't retain uh, as much of the residue of the of the uh, of the vaccine, and so. But what that means is, you know, if you're going to, you know, you need, you know, uh, every if you're wanting to get every ounce of of the uh, of the vaccine out of the vial, then you know you you're looking at you know five, you know, all, all of the needles being these new special needles, and and my sense is that you know that's that's a that's another whole logistical sort of uh, issue to try and deal with. Uh, I know that they're they're bringing in, you know, they've they've got a large number on order, but the question is, you know, sort of getting them getting them out, getting people to to use the, you know, the people administering to to sort of make, you know, remember this, this you know, we have to use these types of needles, and you know, it, I, my sense is that it, it, you know, it adds a lot of extra sort of logistical challenges onto something that. We're already seeing is is quite a logistical challenge already. What more, Thomas? Can you tell us about these special needles, special syringes? Um, obviously, they were in short supply. We don't have a lot of them. Do you know where they're made? Where they come from? Where we can get them from? Uh, no, I, sorry, I don't. I don't know a whole lot about that. Uh, but but you know what? What I've been reading about is that they they you know they have a, a large number on order. They they're expecting them. You know, into the country, uh, you know, within the next week or so, and and like as a short term, whatever whatever they've got, you know, and and based whatever's already in the system now, but also what's coming in, we'll be able to you know get us through the next you know quite a you know next you know month, couple of months, and so 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 that would give time to you know re- restock if they want to go down that track, as in. You know, using using these these other other needles, and so so my sense is that you know that's uh, you know that's in a lot of ways that's a that's a good option for well what I would the way I would think about it is what would be nice is that you know we still you know we still got the same number of vials uh, versus you know if, if it, do you count based on doses or vials it would be still yeah. nice to get the same number of vials so we could get more doses out there but. Uh, you know, obviously the, the the companies are saying, well, we'll we'll uh, give you less vials because you can get more doses out of it. So, what's good for the companies, you know? So, so I think um, either way, you know, the you know, we I think we have to look at a whole range of uh, options to try and increase the number of uh, vaccinations that are, are being able to be uh, delivered. And you know, right at the moment, the uh, you know, based on the the numbers that are projected, it's you know, it's not we, it's not looking good to sort of meet the meet the targets uh, and even the you know target by September of uh, you know anyone who wants a wants a, a vaccine to 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 have it and whereas from you know, from a public health perspective you know my you know I would say that you know even having that as a target you know what I would say is our target should really be the the herd immunity target of we want to get you know is it 60 is it 65 percent of the community uh, immunized by that point versus you know uh, you know whoever wants it can get it by that point because really you know if if people you know there's a lot of talk about uh, you know uh, increasing resistance uh, for for people people uh, saying that that they you know they don't want to get the get the immunization and so 
you know, if, if you just sort of leave it in terms of whoever wants one can get one, you could really fall short of, of what's really what's really important, what's the, uh, you know, the, the, that larger, as large a proportion of the population as possible over the herd immunity target to, uh, to and because that, if, that's what we need to reach to be able to, to be effective if, you know, from, in regard to, if we're doing, if, if all that we're doing is to deliver, you know, if we want to, you know, otherwise, why, what's the point in, in doing all of this? We really need to be keeping that, that, that target in mind, I think. We're uh, certainly here in Canada been watching what's been going on in the United States over the course of this uh, global pandemic. And, and pretty safe to say that the the last administration dropped the ball on this. And, and that's why they were over 400,000 plus deaths. That being said, in a very, very short a period of time, they have vaccinated an unbelievable amount of people. Uh, could this country go from being last to first in a very short period of time? Uh, well, well, definitely. You know, that that's that's definitely doable if if you know if the resources are available and and uh, you know and if the supply is available. So so you know, like if you think about what does it need to get uh, you know uh, vaccines into eat, you know into people's arms. You you know definitely one aspect is the supply and the you know constant supply, but the other aspect is the the you know number of facilities and locations where people can can uh, get the uh, get the the injections you know the staffing at those facilities uh, you know and and so and 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 also you know any any sort of uh, criteria on who can get it so 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 you know definitely if you said okay we're going to open up all these facilities we're going to let you know everyone who wants one can get one and we're going to make that all staffed. You know, staff fully, and and we're going to you know maintain the supply. Then you know, once you get all those factors together, you know, you know definitely you could you could get uh, uh, a large you know a you know significant number of uh, proportion of the population immunised within a in a very short period of time. And, and I think you know some countries that we've seen that they you know they've been successful at, at uh, rolling out uh, quite uh, speedy. Uh, you know, uh, immunizations for, for large proportions of the populations. Getting back, Thomas, to the, the five or six d- doses per vial and, and extracting that, that final bit of, uh, of vaccine out of that vial. Um, you know, this is what Pfizer is, uh, is, um, is giving us. This is what Pfizer wants to do. Health Canada, though, that's not what they approved. So how, who will make, who will give this the thumbs up? Who will say, okay, we can do this and we're going after the sixth uh, dose? Cause that's not happening yet. It is in some limited situations. But, um, again, the latest news we've seen is Health Canada has still not given the okay for this. So where is Health Canada? Canada on the five to, to six dose uh, regimen, and and do we need approval from them for this to move forward? Uh, yeah, my understanding is yes, but you know it's really a decision of Health Canada, you know, based on the uh, because they're the people who are approving use of uh, of of this medication, if you want to call it a medication, as in you know any any drugs uh, medications, you know, have to be uh, approved for use in Canada and. And one aspect of that approval is, you know, how it's administered. And so, I think, you know, what what that means is, it, yeah, it's really a decision of Health Canada. And also, my sense is that, you know, what are what the 
what the thing that they're really thinking about is can can we effectively and con- and consistently uh, get six six doses out of a vial or you know or is it more like you know five and a half doses you know because basically you know if if they approve to go to or you know if they want to do six doses you've actually got to say well we really need to have the ability to to you know get you know six so it really means it's probably a little bit more than six doses in a vial given given you know sort of issues in regard to uh you know the 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 way you know the uh the the use of the the needles and and you know ha, you know how consistently will the various needles uh retain you know residue of of the of the you know out of the vial and so 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 i think that's really you know you know if 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 they're saying it's a five vial uh a five dose vial you know there's there's a little bit of room room to maneuver around that based on you know the the type of uh needle but once you say well we could if we change the needle we can then uh get six doses out of it well you really want to make sure that you can get six proper you know yeah, you, you don't want to be the last yeah. one getting the sixth dose, and it's a watered down version, or maybe it's only three quarters of a shot. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing is, you know, you might have the first five people might get a full dose, and then you don't want the last person to get a you know a half a dose or or something like that. So that's really the question is 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 it is it logistically possible to have a consistent consistent prop six proper doses out of it? And, and Are you surprised this wasn't done ahead of time, Thomas, or is this just one of those things that you know we're building this plane as we're flying it? Yeah. Well, my sense is that uh, you know what they're looking at is you know what what is normal practice and and what what is the say the normal needles that we're using and that was what it was sort of uh, sort of considered with and so so you know even though the these other needles that they're talking about are you know have been available and and can be used you know I. I my understanding is that they're not the sort of the first sort of uh, thing that people, you know, the option of choice, you know, right at right at the start. Right. So, so I think, uh, you know, because of, uh, you know, my sense is, you know, they're they're you know they're more expensive and, uh, you know, and there's there's a, probably you know a range of issues in regard to to their supply and use that mean that. Uh, you know, they're more, you know, more specialised, more expensive, and, and and whatever. So, so I think they're 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 all factors that would have been, you know, come into a uh, decision. I think initially as well. Uh, Johnson and Johnson said today it's single dose vaccine somewhere between sixty six and seventy two percent effective. Um, your thoughts on this vaccination? Is it as as good as the others? Obviously not. Mm. Well, yeah. So, so I think, uh, you know. It, I think it's also a single dose versus the, yes. the double dose, uh, and so, so yeah. Uh, but but like at, at you know at that, that that range that that puts it into the sort of range that we you know for for a lot of vaccinations that that people get. Uh, yeah, would it, it just would we just assume range. Thomas that if we gave two doses that it would be higher than that? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, like like definitely, you know, yeah, sure, sure, like if. You know the the idea of of uh, your you know a, basically the second dose in the two dose regime is 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 really a booster and so right. so you know that that's the you know off you know definitely you know, that would sort of you know a second dose of that one would definitely heighten heighten what the uh, 
you know, effectiveness is. But the question, but but I suppose without the sort of the, the clinical trials, I'm, right. I'm, you know, I don't think they've sort of they know what that might be. Yeah, it's it seems that uh, the general public's getting ahead of uh, the uh, the verification or any approval here. Uh, Thomas Tenkate has been with us, associate professor with the School of Occupational and Public Health, Ryerson University, talking about vaccinations in a COVID nineteen world. Thomas, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. Okay, thanks very much, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, World Health Organization is over in China in Wuhan right now trying to figure out exactly what happened and how we can stop this uh, from happening again. There's a few things I want to talk to Charles Burton about, that including uh, vaccines and the Consino deal. And um, also uh, in court today, the Huawei CFO trying to get her bail uh, restrictions reduced so she doesn't have security. Uh, traveling around with her while she is out during the day. And they're using the excuse of, of COVID-19. However, um, the family, uh, when uh, the Huawei CFO had her family over at Christmas, none of the protocol were followed. Uh, they did not quarantine, and they were reportedly at dinner parties with up to 14 people. And COVID-19 uh, restrictions didn't seem to matter then, but that seems to be the excuse that they're using now in order to get uh, bail restrictions released. However, uh, that raises the concern of flight. Uh, Charles Burton is with a senior fellow, Center for Advancing Canada's Interest Abroad, McDonald Laurier Institute, and is with us now. Charles, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Good afternoon, Scott. So let's start with uh, the Huawei CFO in court today trying to get bail uh, restrictions lowered a bit. Is this going to happen, or um, as they run out of options, uh, are, 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 are Canadians concerned, Canadian officials concerned that she could fly? <laughs> well, you know, she, uh, she, she complains that she's got too many security people around her all the time, and that could spread COVID-19 to her, and she's had various health issues and, you know, and uh, and uh, she'd like the judge to take into consideration that she's been behaving well the past two years, which I think really means that I didn't escape to China in the past two years. But uh, I think what it really means is having all those security guards around in the day is making it very hard for any Chinese criminal organizations with connections to the Chinese uh, state security apparatus to spirit her out of our country. So I think from that point of view, it seems to me it's... <laughs> I mean, I hope it's a non-starter that that she would be allowed to wander around unguarded. Uh, what will uh, Canadian? Uh, what will what will the judge say um, when she's using the excuse of she doesn't want to be infected from the security uh, during a COVID nineteen pandemic, yet is not following the protocol when she has her family fly in from China and going out to various restaurants with up to fourteen people? There's lots of proof of her not following protocol. Will this fly with a judge? Yeah, I mean, you know, and she, she goes out shopping and, you know, she makes other suggestions that it's embarrassing for her children to be in a group with security guards. But the security guards themselves are the ones who are really concerned because, as you say, they're required to guard her in situations where she is not following the protocols, not properly masking in, in a lot of cases, and uh, and uh, puts them at risk. So, you know, from that point of view, uh um, one would have thought that perhaps our police uh, would be more on her case, and when she's engaging in activities that are against the law in terms of uh, numbers of meetings indoors and and masking and so on, that uh, you know they might uh, arrest her. 
Is this a credible request, Charles, or does this look look like something fishy here? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, I guess you'd you'd want to you, you would not want to have to go everywhere with a security team, but on the other hand, you know, I think the Chinese government's finally figuring out that political pressure is not uh, getting her uh, released. She has a lot of information that if she is extradited to the United States. Um, she might reveal to the U.S. government in a plea bargain, you know, with a view to um, to uh, uh, giving information about Huawei's connections to the Chinese military and security apparatus, and uh, and then getting a, a, a lighter sentence um, that would concern the Chinese a lot. So, I think the whole idea of you know spiriting her onto a submarine or or whatever, uh, you know, doing the same thing as Mr. Golson did when he was in trouble in Japan over uh, some uh, allegations of corruption in in uh, in his job in the auto industry um you know that 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 that's a likely possibility she has the resources and there's the motivation and therefore you know certainly the certain the current conditions are already loose enough the fact is that really our best bet for her would have would be to have her incarcerated in a in a facility where she's guarded all the time without the possibility of doing a runner uh at least she gets out which is more than the two michaels uh are uh, are getting but i guess that doesn't fly in court does it well you know it, i mean we have to go by canadian law and precedence yeah. and i don't think that uh the fact that you know the michaels are being subjected to horrendous treatment uh, in in prison lights never off uh, inadequate opportunity for um exercise um you know um uh, sleep deprivation, constant uh, interrogation, constrained in tiger chairs, and so on. When, when in fact, unlike Miss Mung, there is absolutely no charge against them that has any any possible validity. Um, you know, it doesn't it, it doesn't actually impact on this case because the Canadian case has to look at at the factors relating to Miss Mung, and and these other factors are are just not within their purview. Is time running out for her, Charles? Is this an act of desperation asking for this, these yeah. rules to be relaxed? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, the the thing will be winding up uh, in April. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, presumably, she will attempt to appeal. But, you know, for the most part, um, when the United States makes an extradition request to Canada, they prepare it in such a way that it's it's going to be uh, consistent with the extradition treaty and the person is extradited. You know, the, the number of U.S. extradition requests which get turned down are extremely small. So bottom line is that, you know, her case does meet the criteria of our extradition treaty. It is not, you know, we are not trying her on the allegations. Um, you know, she'll have a due process of law and an opportunity to defend herself against the serious charges the U.S. has raised. All we're determining is if the U.S. extradition request is is consistent with the treaty, and you know that that really isn't that complicated. We're starting to hear more and more as obviously vaccine shortages become an issue uh, in Canada. We're hearing more and more about the Consigno deal, uh, which you know I guess was mentioned at the beginning of all of this, but then didn't seem to to get much attention until uh, this week, and there was a, an interesting article in the Financial Post about this uh, as well. Um, w- was there any future in this deal? Why would why would the Prime Minister even be trying to come up with a China's with a China solution here to the vaccination issue? 
Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, clearly, a Chinese firm is an unreliable supplier because they are subject to um, the overall Chinese state. So the idea that, that the Chinese government would not allow the the, the vaccines to be uh, brought into Canada um, unless we released Meng Wanzhou, you know, it's just, it's, it's it. I mean, I, I could have told them that, you know, it, it they work in an integrated way, and those firms and the customs are subject to the authority of the Chinese Communist Party, and they run the whole, you know, the whole um, uh, whole of government approach, and Ms. Meng is a priority. Therefore, you know, it's pretty nuts for us to to put our eggs into the Chinese basket to save Canadian lives from a serious pandemic. And I, I really would like to see more investigation done of this to find out why, you know, what, why this decision would be made when it's clearly one which was not the best decision in the interests of our country, Canada. It seemed we, we spent a lot of time working on this, and I know they had helped us with the SARS vaccine way back when, but certainly uh, conditions have changed over the last uh, few years, relations with China and such. Did we waste time trying to do this deal? We've had ca- Canadian companies on here saying, you know, we approached them, the government back in March and said, we, we're only a few weeks behind Moderna and Pfizer, but we need support, and uh, that all fell on deaf ears until August. Yeah, you know, the question is, who convinced the Prime Minister's office to make the decision to collaborate with a Chinese state firm? Well, actually, a Chinese military firm in the, in the case of, of CanSino. Uh, you know, why would we possibly make that decision? What were the conditions under which such a decision was made? And are there things in there that, that uh, reflect badly on our senior policymakers and you know, that should be addressed and, and, and for which they should be made accountable. Uh, Diane Francis, we had her on yesterday from the Financial Post. She was alluding to that basically they took the technology, or the intellectual property of what Canada was working on with China, and then they ran with it. So they basically stole the intellectual property and then stopped the vaccine from coming in. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, any surprise there? I mean, that's yeah. a consistent practice um, by the Chinese parties uh, in terms of you know, dual-use military technologies where they send people into Canadian labs hiding the fact that they are um, Chinese military researchers, and then our technology gets transferred to agents of a potentially hostile foreign power. In other words, that dual-use military technology could be used in any upcoming um, conflict between China and the West that we might see in years ahead. Uh, now it's we're finding out that this vaccine is not proving to be very good at all. It is quite inferior, and whether that has anything to do with Canada wasn't involved in in the finished product or not. But uh, very many are saying that this is by far an inferior product, and it is being tested, as you mentioned, uh, with the Chinese military. Uh, that being said, uh, many have said, "Why would you even?" you know, chase a Chinese vaccine because the product is inferior. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think... How, what is their, how are they doing with their vaccinations? Um, well, I mean, we don't know, you know, because the information that we're getting out of China on this question is uh, skimpy. And different countries around the world who are using the Chinese vaccine are reporting very different rates of immunity. Some, you know, right just over the 50%... Um, immunity barrier that that uh, the international community um, regards as you know a vaccine worth worth uh, injecting into your arm. Some some are higher, some are 70, some are, are even higher than that. The figures just don't match up, 
And in addition, the Chinese, I guess, with a view to countering the idea that the West has superior vaccines, have been putting out all sorts of false propaganda about uh, people in Germany who are injected with the Pfizer vaccine who suffered devastating um, side effects. Hmm. So, you know, they're combining, their, they're, they're combining the, the, the cover-up on COVID with, with even a campaign to, to sow doubt in people's minds about vaccines that are, in fact, scientifically valid and effective. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's almost, it's very hard to process the motives of the Chinese regime in, in this matter. But um, yeah, I think that they, I don't think that they have labs that are operating at the very high levels of the most sophisticated labs in the United States and Europe, which have been developed over decades of, of top-level funding and research. You just can't expect China to be able to achieve that. And the way that they try and, and build up their, their scientific facilities is often through cyber espionage and the purloining of Western technologies to give them that jump ahead. But, you know, it, it, it just, uh, they, they just don't get in the lead compared to, to the Americans and the Europeans. All right, Charles, uh, World Health Organization over in Wuhan now. I'm understanding their quarantine is over and they are actually out doing any uh, sort of investigation that they can, that, that the Chinese will let them uh, give them access to. Your thoughts on this probe and, and will we get the answers we want? Well, I mean, China's been trying to, you know, clearly we're seeing uh, a concerted effort to try and cover up something, you know, started at the beginning when when the Chinese suppressed the uh, the doctors who were concerned about the reemergence of a SARS-like uh, um, virus, um, and 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 then the early period uh, blocking of um, attempts by international um, scientific teams to come into Wuhan and try and figure out exactly what happened. Um, now, after a long, long delay since the you know since the virus was first. Uh, discovered more than a year they're letting in a, a WHO team but under a lot of conditions so whether they you know for one thing you've got the time difference where where a lot of the evidence will um, have just naturally disappeared and then there's the question of what sort of access will they have will everybody that they're engaging with have basically been briefed on exactly what to say to them and will the Chinese discourse which is uh, it didn't start here in Wuhan, but came from somewhere else. Maybe the United States, maybe Italy, uh, prevail, and and they'll be sent on their way. Um, but the Chinese announcing that they did not come up with any uh, definitive evidence that that this uh, pandemic has anything to do with uh, Chinese government mismanagement. Will that uh, propaganda? Will will that fly in the rest of the world? And I mean, you can say it twenty times over and over. That doesn't mean that it's that it's right. Uh, especially when they were so accurate in in figuring out exactly where SARS came from. So the capability is there, as you mentioned. It, the question is, will there be anything there left to uncover? Um, but you know, any of the scientists that I've talked to, if they get access, they will very much be able to determine uh, the origin and such as you mentioned the the situation is will they get access to that so if they don't and then they say no nothing to see here or this you know it's inconclusive or there you know enough gray area that they can blame someone else is that gonna fly around the world i think we all know where this came from how it happened yeah i mean you know there are of course there are a lot of suspicions that 
it was a result of an error in a Chinese lab where they hadn't, where they'd been doing research on comparable kinds of viruses uh, using, you know, some, uh, one, one theory is that bats from Yunnan had been sent to Wuhan for research and that they didn't handle them properly. Who knows? Right. Um, I, I guess we really have to see what the respected experts from the WHO say. If they feel that they have been blocked or, or flim-flammed, um, hopefully they will reveal that in their news conference once they're out of China. If they say, oh, yes, we had wonderful access and, you know, we found out X, Y, and Z, um, you know, one cannot rule out the possibility that that might be, that that might, in fact, be uh, valid and that the Chinese have decided to allow the international community to to do a genuine investigation of the sources of this virus because that's in the interests of China, you know. You would have thought that the Chinese, once the thing was discovered, if they didn't have any qualms about uh, yeah. about the information getting out, that they would have sent those sure. experts first-class tickets to come to China right away so that they could have the best minds um, and the best investigators um, assisting them to, to figure it out. And that is not what happened, right? And we get a lot of, of stories back and forth from Chinese spokesmen attempting to 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 throw smoke over the whole thing and uh, so many reports of uh, Chinese government's attempt to cover up the truth so you know uh, they're not starting out well but you know let's let's see what the experts say once they finish their investigation does the world health organization still have its credibility here considering there's been accusations that they have fallen victim to China's persuasion I mean, there are a lot of rumors about that, particularly at the most senior levels of the WHO. And also, when the WHO did not, in a timely fashion, question some of the Chinese assertions, particularly with regard to person-to-person transmission of the virus, um, more recently the WHO has been quite critical of the lack of Chinese um, forthcoming collaboration. But... uh, uh, you know the the the, uh, the corruption of UN agencies by uh, Chinese money is certainly very strongly alleged, and it's not just the WHO. It seems that China is uh, is uh, doesn't want the UN to to show that China is not uh, behaving in ways in accordance with the standards set by the UN, and they're doing this by uh, co-opting key decision makers in the United Nations. It's going to be very difficult for China to prove otherwise. I mean, haven't they been caught with a hand in the cookie jar here? Are they not already busted? I would say so. I mean, you know, I think that I yeah. think the main issue for them really is um, if some revelation came out that suggested the pandemic was due to errors on the part of these labs and and that there could be implications for decisions that were made uh, by Chinese communist officials with regard to the management of the labs, then uh, that would be devastating for the prestige of the Chinese Communist Party within China and could lead to, uh, you know, political rebellion. Because after all, the the government of China is not one which enjoys the legitimacy of elections. And it's only legitimate because it's seen as leading to prosperity, stability, and and China's rise in the world. So if, if if the party causes the country to lose face, then uh, I think we could be seeing some fairly dramatic um, political demonstrations inside China, and that's certainly not what the current Chinese Communist Party leadership wants to see.
Charles Burton has been with us, Senior Fellow, Center for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad, McDonald Laurier Institute. Charles, as always, thanks so much for the time. Thoroughly enjoyed this. Always insightful and be well. Take care. Thanks again. Uh, today is, uh, there's a birthday uh, in, in the Thompson family, sort of. Uh, my father-in-law is celebrating his uh, birthday today. I think he's 112. And uh, this, you know, it, it, old people, they're all stuck at home just like the rest of us. So he uh, got a visitor today, and I think he's on the line with us now. Kenny, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning, ha- afternoon. Happy birthday to you. Well, thanks very much. So, so, uh, how does your morning? How how did it go? <clears throat> well, we had a knock on our front door, and we went to the door. Guess who was there? Um, Presley. COVID Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> he sang about five songs. <laughs> he was really, really good, and even the dog was uh, mesmerized. <laughs> Just laid there and watched him. So how did he? How did you know he was at the door? Because we were talking to you like twenty minutes ahead of time, and I was. It took everything I had not to say something about what was going to happen, and then I heard the dog barking, and I thought maybe you know COVID Elvis was already there setting up. So how did you discover he was there? Well, we just knocked on the door, and when we opened the door, he was there. <laughs> There's the Elvis part. at the door. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! So what songs did he do? Do you remember? Oh, God. Love Me Tender. Yeah. Uh, Hound Dog. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, I don't know. There was about five of them. He just kept ringing, ringing, ringing them off. So did the did all the neighbors complain? Did everybody come over and it was a big Elvis concert? Well, we, or? That, we didn't sign to see a sign of a neighbor. <laughs> but all they all ran in the other direction. Noisy, so they must have heard. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty loud, was he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it was really, really good. Just excellent. Well, I'm glad it uh, it worked out. Uh, I met uh, COVID Elvis months ago. Yeah. Uh, we haven't met in person, but he came on the show and, and he was doing the various things because he used to sing in, in uh, retirement homes and such. Yeah, but that's obviously that's yeah. that's gone out the window. So now he started doing this and now he's a huge celebrity because all the TV stations have picked up on him and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, I thought it was kind of perfect for you. Well, I thank you very much. It was a, a, certainly a surprise. Yeah, nobody even knew about it. Not even uh, my wife, your daughter. She had no idea. Actually, I did throw it to her about two weeks ago, and she, no, don't do that. But, uh, you know, so I thought at that point I got to keep them all out of it. So I'm glad it was a surprise. Yes, it was, and and very good, and I thank you for it. Well, you're more than welcome, and happy birthday to you, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and I'm glad it all worked out. Okay, well, thanks again, because he was really good. All right. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate that. I'll pass that along to COVID Elvis. Take care. All right. So that's uh, uh, Ken, my father-in-law, who's celebrating his 84th birthday today. And uh, we arranged to have uh, COVID Elvis go over and and sing a few songs. And uh, boy, it was greatly received. So if you're looking for something a little off center uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, Cam, aka COVID Elvis, uh, is uh, doing a tremendous job bringing joy uh, into people's lives that are normally uh, stuck in. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to three on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast, or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.